our passion that's also a part of us. It's a part of our actual physical body. And so when people, you will face rejection and people will tell you no, or people will tell you you're not this or you're not that. Just keep going. Just don't give up. If you're a professional singer, want to know how to turn singing into a career, or simply love to hear stories from singers on the road, then The Working Singer is the podcast for you. I chat with pro singers about how they make a creative living in the music business, lending their talent to stars like Enrique Iglesias, The Killers, Elvis Costello, and more. They share life lessons, business advice, and how they make a living when they're off the road. We'll also discuss vocal health, technique, performance, coaching, and pretty much all things vocal. Elevate your approach to your singing career, get enlightened about what the pros do, and be inspired with new ideas that you can make your own. My name is Jamila Ford, and this is the Working Singer Podcast. Everyone, thank you so much for joining me today. This is a fun, fun episode. Well, I feel like they've all been fun, but <laughs> um, this is especially fun. Today's show is with Kitten Karoy, who's just got a fun name. I mean, how can you not have fun when your name is Kitten? And she has got the most amazing style. I don't even know how, she, what she, her, I mean, the outfits she puts together are just so incredible. Um, I wish my brain worked this way, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty <laughs> square. I'm maybe just impatient when it comes to getting dressed in the morning. And she just like, just has style for days. So Kitten works with Elvis Costello. She sings with Engelbert Humperdinck. She has sung for Natasha Bedingfield and has done a ton of really cool gigs. Um, she's a vegan chef. She also, um, took a really incredible journey to Ireland over this past summer. Um, just wanted to kind of operate as an artist for a, a short little while and play a big venue there. And it's just such an amazing story. She shared it on Facebook as it was happening and, you know, showed us the good, the bad and the ugly and just had the courage to let us know that, you know, not everything was going perfectly at the time. But she remained open and she was resourceful and when she needed help, she asked for it and she took the help and, you know, it was just really a wonderful lesson in courage and bravery and openness and vulnerability and I really admired her for that. Um, so without further ado, here is Kitten Karoy. Kitten Karoy, welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for doing this today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on your show. All right, so let's uh, let's start at the beginning. Where are you from? <laughs> I am a Southern California native, so L A I E O C, and back to L A. Yeah, and I think you're from. You lived in Rialto at one point, right? Rialto, I California. Did. And I, I did. <laughs> did we talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're like the only person I've met like in years who is actually from. You know, has lived there and like you know, knows what it's yeah. like is from there. And did you go to school there? I no. did. I went um, elementary school through the first two years of high school in Rialto. Oh, what high school? Eisenhower. Okay. I lived right near there. I didn't okay. attend. I didn't go to school there. We probably would have seen each other, but I yeah. lived in Eisenhower. Yeah. I, um, I was at a concert a couple of weeks ago 
And the people next to me were like, we came from a long way to get here. And I was like, where are you from? They're like, Rialto. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) So when did you start singing? Um, Professionally or in general? Just in general. (laughs) In general, the crib. I started singing in crib. My mom used to sing me to sleep. And then I picked up on singing. Mm-hmm. And I would start singing myself to sleep. And then she would have to come in and tell me to be quiet so that I would go to sleep. So mm. I have been singing since I was in the crib. Um, I have been writing songs to my recollection, at least since elementary school. Mm. And I didn't know that was an actual thing to do. Mm. I just, this is something that I wanted to do. Mm. And um, I would write original songs that like little kid original songs and then i would also rework motown songs and i would make my friends be my background singer oh i love it (laughs) so like i didn't know all the words to the motown songs i just knew the choruses yeah and so i would just make my own words for those songs i love it and i had this notion that i wanted to write for Janet Jackson. I didn't, again, I didn't know that was an actual thing. I didn't know it was an industry career Mm -hmm. type thing. I just Mm -hmm. felt like I was going to write some song for Janet Jackson. And I don't remember what it was about, but I know that I picked up on the fact that so many R&B songs had to do with happening at the nighttime. So I thought I was going to be unique and have my song have to do with the day. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize since I was a child that you know, there's other connotations to the night. It's not just time to go to sleep. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, lots of things happen. Spike and Drusilla come out, you know. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so when did, uh, when did you start singing professionally? I started singing professionally uh, comparatively pretty late, actually. Mm. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but I started seeing professionally when I, let's see, about in 2007, 2007, I started, I had my first professional gig. Now, before that, I sang in the church choir, Yeah. Um, you know, and I had a couple solos that I, that I did. And it was funny because I was, I was not shy about singing around my brother, but I didn't really sing around my parents or anything i didn't they didn't hear me sing until i was 16 like really sing until i was 16 mm-hmm. when i had volunteered to do a um a solo in the in the youth choir and everybody in the youth choir were laughing at me because i never sang out so they didn't know if i could sing or that i could sing they just thought it was hilarious that all of a sudden mm. she wants to sing mm. um so yeah 16 was my first solo in public mm. and everyone was like what my mom was surprised like what the, what where'd that come from yeah um but yeah and so you know i, I would find different ways to sing mm-hmm. i wasn't raised to know that there was an industry i mean i loved michael jackson and i loved prince and i loved all these people but i kind of saw those people as a part of royalty i thought that being a part of the industry meant that you were born into it or you know, your parents were in it, your grandparents were in it. It's like a legacy, a dynasty kind of thing. 
So mm-hmm. I didn't even know, I, I didn't know there was schools for it or anything. Mm, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know any of that. Even in high school, I had no idea. Mm. And um, yeah, I had a friend in high school and it, she sang, she sang professionally. Mm. And again, I just figured, well, she's probably part of a family that's, you know, in the industry or something. Mm-hmm. But I remember probably maybe in 2006 or something, mm-hmm. it was her birthday. And I wasn't in high school. It was, not high school. Uh, it was 2006. It was a birthday. I gave, I sang my special happy birthday song on her voicemail. And I guess the timing was right because at that time, Natasha Bedingfield were looking for, she was looking for background singers. Mm-hmm. And so I was one of the people that she thought to ask if I'd be interested in singing with Natasha Bedingfield. And I didn't really know what that meant because at the time I'd only sang in church. Mm. I sang uh, at this choir in this, this community ensemble choir that, that, that was more focused on like the African-American diaspora through music. Mm-hmm. I was a part of that choir. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like it wasn't professional it was just, you know, through those different things and singing around the house. So anyway, when she told, I didn't know who Natasha Bedingfield was at the time either. And anyway, yeah. So I sang, I sent some, a couple of recordings that I had made of myself and I happened to randomly go into a studio with a friend of mine who wanted me to cut some vocals for a song they wanted to pitch to the pussycat dolls and again i had i didn't really understand what all that meant i just went in there and did it (laughs) Mm. that to natasha's management and i guess natasha liked it and they invited me to come to vegas and in my head all i knew about singing with anybody was you know american idol or something so maybe now i'm gonna go to vegas and i'm gonna stand in a long line and wait to be heard this would be my first real audition kind of thing Mm. and that wasn't the case at all i had the gig and the gig was at the consumer electronics show in las vegas um for the unveiling of the brand new john lennon educational tour bus and yoko ono was going to be there and that was my first professional gig (laughs) oh my gosh wow the the news is there everything it was crazy wow that's amazing and what were you doing up until then? Were you, did you just have a day job? And I, so I've never been, I've never really been a nine to five person. Anytime I got into nine to five, I would find some way to be like, yeah, this isn't working and quit. Um, but I think at the time, so I've been working with the Cliff Barfield marketing team, I think. Yeah, at the time I've been working for Cliff Barfield marketing team, which meant that we went to, races and marathons and all these kind of you know Mm. race expos and we either handed out cliff bars or we gave people samples of cliff bars and then we talked about the nutritional value of them and all that good stuff we Mm. just traveled here and there and did that and then i had also enrolled myself into santa monica college Mm -hmm. to um brush up on um graphic design so i had actually went to school i had a degree but i wasn't really getting any jobs 
And so I was going back to Santa Monica College and I was, I don't think I even finished the semester before I got the, um, the notion or got the word that Natasha wanted me to go on tour with her. So I just was like, peace everybody. And <laughs> I left all of that. Oh, wow. What was your degree in? Uh, public relations ah. and a minor in Japanese. <gasps> no kidding. Mm -hmm. I know origato, that's, that's it. I was, yeah, <laughs> was going to attempt to say something, but then it occurred to me, I don't speak Japanese, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> you try. so it's, awesome. It's Where do you get to use your Japanese? Have you toured in Japan and, and been able to use it there? Unfortunately, I have not. Oh. I've, I've been to the airport. Ah. I've been to the Narita airport, and that just blew my mind to be, I mean, I know it's just the airport, but just to see, you know, hiragana and katakana and kanji on like the toilets, you know, <laughs> like to see um, Japanese symbols, you know, on the ground as we're getting ready to land, you know, there's the, um, the, the kanji symbol for stop, so that the plane knows to stop. And just to look out the window and to see that was just like, <gasps> the things that I've studied are real right here, but I've never actually, gotten past the airport mm. so well, well i hope that you do because i think that would be so amazing i would love to see yeah. you in japan hanging out in instagramming um mm -hmm. <laughs> so um let's see so who who have been your big influences you're gonna ask that everybody asked that that is so hard for me being that Musically, what I was exposed to was so much. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I my my dad listened to my parents listened to a lot of jazz growing up. When I, you know, me growing up, yeah. a lot of jazz, R and B, but we also listened to world music. You know, we listened to Latin music, and we listened to a lot of Nigerian music. We listened to Fela Kuti and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. We listen to, there was a little bit of classical in there sometimes. Um, there was a, a little bit of rock. Um, I had an uncle who introduced me at a young age to like Duran Duran and Depeche Mode. And, you know, I listened to house music. So it's really kind of hard for me to say, oh, this one person. Right. Um, there are people that I greatly admire. Um, Michael Jackson, as I've, noted, as I've noted, he's one of those people that I greatly admire. Um, Grace Jones is a person that I greatly admire. And it's interesting because I didn't realize until, you know, I guess I got a little older that there are elements of like Grace Jones' attitude and her style that resonate with me. And it wasn't because I was just watching her forever and just, I started absorbing it. It just, there's the kindredness to it, you know? Yeah. Um, Tina Turner mm. also. Um, and then there's also Chris Cornell. Oh yeah. Boys. And I mean, I just, I am all over the place. And really, you know, one day soon when my, you know, when my music comes out, um, you'll probably hear that there are so many different influences and right. i am i pick up on a lot of stuff i'm kind of empathic so 
I pick up and I'm inspired by so much, mm. you know? So it's hard to pinpoint it down. I'm a person of the world. I guess. Mm. When did you start working with Elvis Costello? How did that come about? I started working with Elvis, I want to say it's about three years, three years ago. Mm -hmm. That sounds about right, I think, three years ago. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very interesting, a very interesting story how that came to be. Because everything is always interwoven. Nothing is by chance, you know? Mm -hmm. The most random thing that you do could set mo set in motion the most amazing thing you'll be in you know doing later on so i will try to make this story as concise as, as possible <laughs> so taking it to the top so years ago i want to say maybe six years ago seven years ago it was a while ago um i was on i was on craigslist and there was this ad and they were looking for um Facebook celebrities, which that, what does that even mean? But whatever, they were looking for Facebook celebrities and the criteria was like, you just needed like a thousand friends or something. And I'm like, oh, I have more than that. I'll apply. I didn't know what it meant. I wasn't trying to be famous. I just thought that's interesting. I'm really curious to see what this is. So I applied to that. They got back to me and they wanted me to be the main focus of this this game show they wanted to test out for a TV show. Anyway, the game show didn't end up panning out, but I ended up meeting this awesome casting director who maybe a year or so later called me out of the blue about how a friend of his was looking for an African-American vocalist for a show. And so I was like, okay, so I called them back. They told me the premise of the show was about um, doing a tribute to someone you love through song and dance. Mm. And they wanted to know who I wanted to do a tribute to. So at first I said my grandma, because I lived with her when I was you know, finishing up college. And they said, that's sweet, but that's what's expected. So then I said, how about my boyfriend? We've been together for a long time. And I would like to let him know that I appreciate him and I love him and he's great. And then they said, oh, how would you like to take this a step further? Would you guys like to be engaged on the show? And then I was like, hmm. Now this show is a show through the Oprah Winfrey Network. Mm. So it wasn't like a trashy reality show. Mm. The catch was I was to propose to him. Oh. And so at first I told them, no thanks. And I got off the phone and then I, and I remember I was driving in the car. Then I thought, you know what? This is the Oprah Winfrey Network. It wouldn't be trashy. And if anything, maybe I get a chance to sing on it and people could hear my voice. Mm. So I called them back and I thought too, well, if I do this, my fiance is not pleased. I can tell him it's just for TV. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I called them back and they ended up casting me. And I went ahead and did the show. And the show ran probably three or four times before um, it ended up getting canceled because the Oprah Winfrey Network was going through turmoil and a lot of people got um, laid off. Hmm. But for those people that are wondering if I did propose to him, I began to propose to him and he flipped it and ended up having a ring and proposed to me. It's a whole story. It's beautiful. Aww. 
um, yeah, it was like a secret thing, but I'm kind of digressing. I, that's like a whole other story. <laughs> but anyway, in that process, one of the things, there's three things I had to do besides lie to him about where I was and where and what I was doing. <laughs> no. mm. The third things I was supposed to do is I was supposed to go to a vocal coach and pretend like I didn't know how to sing and that I learned how to sing in like a week. <laughs> and the second thing I had to do was learn choreography. Mm. And I love to dance, but I am not a professional dancer. So that was scary. But I had to do that with a professional choreographer. Mm. And then the third thing was I had to go to the studio with a couple of the people that were producers for the TV show Glee. They produced the music and stuff, uh, the songs and everything. And the show actually was going to have all, like every, every episode had a song and every song was supposed to be downloadable. It was gonna be a whole thing. It didn't end up being that way. But anyway, this producer that worked for Glee had members like had i think probably the drummer and the bassist from elvis costello's band perform mm. on the song that i cut which was love will never do by janet jackson mm. now i after that whole you know the show was over the show was shot i still kept in contact with that producer that producer is from redlands okay so, <laughs> i know where that is <laughs> so my connection was there mm -hmm. you know so anyway we stayed in contact and i remember i was face painting at a 30 seconds to mars camp mars event where grown people have summer camp for a weekend with the band 30 seconds to mars and then they're treated by a big huge concert so i got to see them for free and i got to get paid to paint people's faces which was great uh, and I'm in the middle of, of just finished painting a person's face and we're waiting for 30 seconds to Mars to come on. And I get a call from my friend and he said, Elvis Costello is looking for singers. Please hit my brother up. He plays bass for them. I didn't wow. know his brother played bass for Elvis Costello. I didn't meet the guys who played on the track that I recorded. Long story short, I sent my stuff to Davey, who's the basis for Elvis Costello, and he sent my stuff to Elvis, and Elvis really loved me, and that's kind of how it ended up. That's how I ended up with Elvis Costello. So basically because seven or whatever years ago, I answered wow. a random Craigslist Facebook celebrity post. Oh my gosh. That ended me, that ended up, that ended up with me singing with Elvis Costello. Wow. That is so interesting to me. It just shows like what a continuum life is and how, you know, you could have just not answered that and, you know, life would be very different and you wouldn't even know the difference, you know? It's yeah. like, that's amazing. I love that. And he seems like a really cool guy. Elvis is amazing. Yeah, Elvis is a, a really nice person. Really nice person, really great to work with. Mm. Really compassionate and he he's inspired by so much too i think he's like he's like a walking music ethnologist or something he just knows everything about music he absorbs so much also mm. so he's got so many influences i mean if you just listen to all his different work it's so diverse but yeah i mean it's just he keeps you on your toes he keeps you inspired mm. um you know the other artist that I was working with was 
Engelbert Humperdinck. Mm-hmm. And it's cool because both of them are older. You know, I mean, Elvis is not as old as Engelbert. Engelbert, I think, is 83 now. Really? Yeah, Elvis, I think mm. Engelbert is 83. And Elvis mm. is early 60s, I want to say. Mm. Don't quote me on that, but I think so. But mm. anyway, it's really inspiring to watch them at work, to see that the music still moves them, to see mm. They can still be inspired and they can still be encouraged and that they still love what it is that they do mm. you know there's there's not really an expiration date on that if you want to keep doing it you can mm-hmm. and i feel like in some in some cases you know i think especially in even in engelbert's case because he's so much older i mean look at people that are that start to get in there 50s they start to start really slowing down you know and acting like they're so old and Engelbert's still trying to spin on stage and dance and all this kind of stuff and I think when you are doing something that you love and you just keep doing it and you find those opportunities it keeps you alive absolutely it's that it's that fire it's that spark Mm -hmm. that once you find something that you believe is your purpose or you just believe deeply Mm -hmm. in it and Mm -hmm. Propels you forward compulsively, you know. Mm. You don't think to stop or think you're too old for it. Mm. I think that's why I was so surprised when you said, um, you know, what Engelbert's uh, age is. I I was watching a video of you performing with him before this, and I just thought, you know, he's so youthful, you know, on stage and everything. And I really couldn't tell how old he was. And you know. I think that purpose that you're talking about, you know, just keep, you know, uh, keeping to keeping creating music and sharing it with people. It's such a huge, um, impactful thing, you know, um, that will keep you young. Yeah. Yeah. And you just, and you never know. I think when you continuously say yes to the things that you want to do, I think that you just never know what can happen. But I think that also keeps you alive. That also gives you a hope because you're, mm. you're still saying yes. Once you start saying no to the things that you want to do, I think that's when life really can start taking a toll on you. You really mm. start, you know, because life happens, you know, things happen, good things, bad things happen. But when you continuously reject the things that give you life and the things that you love, amidst all the suffering you're going to go through anyway i think that just really starts to change you in a, in a negative mm. direction it starts to age you mm. and it isn't bad but there's a certain type of aging i think that mm. isn't good mm. i yeah absolutely yeah. i think there's uh it's just that kind of aging that where you're worn you know you're worn down and and you've deferred so many dreams and, you know, really sacrificed. And, and it's like you're saying, you know, I mean, we are all going to go through something anyway. We're going to, there will be some measure of suffering. And so you may as well take those little moments, make those seemingly small decisions that will, you know, bring some happiness and joy into your life. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. And speaking of which, so uh, I want 
to hear, I, I'd love people to, to, especially singers, to hear a little bit about, um, you know, you coming off tour uh, a few months ago with Elvis and, and booking some shows in Ireland and like wow. your, your sojourn, <laughs> yeah. you know, I loved reading about it on, on Facebook and Instagram and I was really inspired by, you know, the story and, and everything that you had to say and all the things that you went through and it was such a human story. I was so moved by it. So tell us a little bit about that. So, yeah. I guess some people that follow me thought that maybe I was still on tour with an artist, but I actually wasn't. I, that was me on tour with myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it has always been my dream to sing my own song in another country, someplace else, someplace different. And so I actually, had saved up my miles, my airline miles. Mm. Um, and when I was on, I was in Europe a few months ago and I had a stop over in Dublin and I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the land. I just fell in love with how people are so musical and how people are so friendly and open and nice. And it just so happened that one of the shows that we did in England, I can't think of the name, the Blenheim, I think it's Blenheim Palace. He performed at the Blenheim Palace. And there was another group that's pretty big out there in the UK. They're called the Water Boys. And they had two background singers. And I thought they were so cool. And I talked to them and we became friends and stayed in contact. And they just happened to be from Dublin. And I'm like, well, it's set then. I'm going to Dublin. <laughs> so I, um, I booked an Airbnb in advance because, I mean, I didn't know them well enough to say, I'm going to stay at your house. So I booked an Airbnb well in advance and I had, I had really only purchased a ticket, like uh, not purchased, I had really only booked my ticket to Dublin, but not my return. <laughs> oh, wow. <sighs> yeah. Um, but I just, I wanted to, I wanted to, to test myself. I wanted to see if I had the guts to really do this and to really put myself out there with my own actual music that I had written mm. um, in another, in another place. I wanted to see, to feel what it would be like to just temporarily live what, how my spirit would feel to mm. not be in America doing it because in, especially in LA, people are really just wanting something from you or they're wanting you to be attached to something or fixed to something or they, they want to, they want to feel attached to like the next best thing and the most popular thing. And they're not necessarily there to hear, you know, your music or your passion or your story, you know, if they show up and when they do show up half the time they're on their phones or they're trying to see who else they can know and i wanted to not have that experience i wanted to have a real experience seeing in front of people that you know nobody knows me whatsoever nobody owes me anything nobody's expecting i mean they obviously they expect me to sound good but you know what i mean like it's just a whole different vibe yeah um and so yeah so i made that trip out there um the path to that trip 
was was hard because I ended up I had to leave a gig that um basically was helping to sustain me. I had to leave that gig because mm. uh you know sometimes you have to choose between do I want to pay, you know, these bills um or do I want to be in mental, physical, spiritual anguish? Mm. And it's hard um, for anybody, but it's also hard for someone that's really passionate about music. If you're a singer and you love music, it's not just a job you do, it's a part of you. Yeah. So I had to leave a job behind for a few different reasons. And I couldn't, it wasn't one of those things where I could just, you know, stay around for a while and save the money. It was kind of like, I need to, I need to jump off this boat right now because it's not going to be good for me. Mm. So I had to leave that. So I did not factor that in to my trip because I didn't foresee that that was a thing that I would have to, a point that I would have to get to. Mm. So this journey, <laughs> to going overseas and, and, and following a dream of mine, which may seem small to someone, but it was huge to me. Um, it felt like it came at such a, a great human cost mm. just to get, mm. you know? And yes, I had a place to stay. And yes, I had my, my flight already booked out there. But now at this point, I have run out of money my own money mm. you know i'm waiting for certain bill i'm waiting for certain paychecks to come through and they hadn't yet and at this point now i'm excited because i'm in dublin but i have been i'm like leaning heavily on my mom and leaning heavily on damon who is my fiance to just you know basically dip into their savings and dip into what they're you know they're going through just so i can do the strip, you know, and mm. it was wonderful because they believed in me so much that it wasn't something where they said, you know what, you should just cancel the trip and don't go. Mm. They were like, no, you have to do this. You have to do this. You have to see this through. Mm. And also I hadn't, I didn't have any gigs booked yet. I knew I wanted to do some shows up there, but I didn't have any gigs booked yet. And I'd spoken to several different people out there in Dublin and no one had gotten back to them and no one had gotten back to me about any updates. So here I am in Dublin. I am out of a job, you know, Wow. You know, and I don't have any gigs booked. So then it's like, okay, was this the worst decision I ever made in my life? <laughs> <laughs> I'm out here in these streets. And, you know, I had met the two singers from the water boys gig but we hadn't really spent substantial time yeah to get physically i mean we met that day and we talked a little bit that day we took some pictures and then that was that they went on their way on their tour and i went on mine so any other kind of connection that we had was just through each other's instagrams from time to time so i'm putting a lot of faith that what i foresee what i see for myself can actually come to fruition but i have zero i have nothing mm. nothing looks like it's going to actually happen mm. so i'm thinking like this is about to be 
a broke person's like soul journey of walking around eating some snacks somewhere because <laughs> until it's time to do this, go home, you know. And so, um, but then I ended up hanging out with the girls and they just instantly felt like family and they introduced me mm. to other people and they felt like family. And there was a girl who was living out there and she's from America and she lives in, now she's moved back to New York since, but she and I, you know, hung out. And then um, there's a place called, there's a place called Doyle's Bar. And one of the most prestigious nights there is called the Ruby Sessions. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like a hotel cafe kind of thing for that night. Mm. If that makes any sense. And mm -hmm. um, so anyways, I remember uh, an Elvis Costello fan had suggested that I write, you know, that I write to them and tell them that I'm coming and that I want to perform there. And I can't remember if I even reached out to them, but I feel like I looked at their website and I felt completely intimidated. Like, there's no way they would. <laughs> <laughs> They wouldn't have me on there. I mean, these people, they've had all sorts of people there. They had Leanne LeHavis there. Mm -hmm. They have, you know, what's that? Uh, Ed Sheeran, Hozier, mm -hmm. The Coors, mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of people, like big people have been there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I am not a big person. I uh -huh. sing with Elvis Costello. I sing with, you know, you know, Engelbert Humperdinck. And I sing with a couple other people that, I, me by myself and not this like pull, you know? Mm. And so I'm hanging out. I just, you know, say, let, I'm just gonna let this flow. Even though I was really stressed out inside, I'm like, I'm just gonna try and let this flow. I don't really know how this is gonna go. And just so happened that one of the girls who's real, her name is Jess, Jess Cav, Jess Kavanaugh. And she's a great singer. She's a cool friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And she's good friends with the with the man who's the promoter and he books the acts for the Ruby Sessions. Mm. And she convinced him, you got to hear her. She's awesome. She's great. You got to put her on. And he actually made room for me. He was like, well, are you going to be here on Tuesday, this next Tuesday? Because, you know, I might be able to fit you in. Now, the thing is here <laughs> that I was supposed to leave on Sunday. Oh, wow. Like I had my Airbnb up until like Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. My return ticket by this point had been purchased now. Mm. And now he's talking about, can you stay? Can you, are you going to be here on Tuesday? And I have no money. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll let you know. So I talked to my, you know, to Damon and I talked to my mom and I was like, I don't even know what to do because the one thing I wanted to do, mm. I'm not going to be able to do it until after I'm supposed to be gone. Mm. And so they, you know, they, they talked me off the ledge and they told me, you got to stay there. You got to do it. You just got to figure it out. Yeah. So I told the man, yeah. And at this point, I did not have a return flight. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was also supposed to go in between that. I was supposed to go to Sweden. And the place I was supposed to stay, that fell through. Mm. I was going to supposed to be leaving Dublin to go to Sweden and going from Sweden back home. Mm -hmm. But now it would be, I would be leaving Dublin to go to Sweden 
go to Dublin and then go back home. So it was like a whole bunch of, a whole new thing now. Oh, wow. <laughs> we had to figure out. And like, I was able to rearrange some flights, like just kind of move, you know, the, the, that one flight to another place. But then I had to figure out how to get back home. Mm-hmm. And it was just a whole thing. But they encouraged me just to go on and do it. You have to do it. This is the thing you came here for. You have to do it. You have to see. And so I told the man, yeah, I was able last minute to rearrange some stuff. Um, mm. I got to Sweden. I had a, a friend of mine referred me to her friend and he's vegan and he was great. And he took me around and I got to see all this. So everything ended up working out, but there was, everything was a big question mark the whole entire time. Yeah. And uh, so when I came back from, so just before I went to Sweden, Jess had me, she allowed me or she invited me to perform with her during her band set. Mm. And I performed with her and everybody just loved it. And they were like, anytime you want to come back to Dublin, you want to perform, you will book you at this venue and we'll mm-hmm. pay you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so I, here I am, like, <laughs> was, like wanting to pay me, you know. Yeah. And so I go to Sweden, I come back. The day I come back from Sweden, that, so the night before, the night before I come back, this is like the last, I was only in Sweden for one and a half days. So the one full day I'm supposed to be there, that night, I end up having the craziest sinus infection. Oh. Okay. This is two days before I'm supposed to be, this is, no, this is like a day and a half before I'm supposed to go back to Dublin and do this gig on the day I fly in. Oh my gosh. And so I am feeling like something doesn't seem right. And my, I'm staying with my friend and he's got like, kind of like a studio apartment. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's on the bed and I'm on the couch. And I, so I can't just talk on the phone. So I go in the bathroom and I'm like, you know, hunkered down in the bathroom and I'm on the phone with my mom crying like, oh my God, I'm having a sinus infection and I have this whole day. And as I'm sitting there, the, the, the mucus is turning from clear to dark dark yellow oh god I didn't buy travel insurance you know I don't have health I don't have health insurance because I was on I was on Medi-Cal for a couple of years but then as I started getting more money at this point now I couldn't re-up Medi-Cal because I made too much money so I have no health insurance I didn't buy Uh. travel I am in a foreign country I'm in Sweden You know, and I'm at my, this guy's house who he's super nice and he's my new friend, but I didn't know him that well. You know, I'm basically couch surfing. So, and he wants to show me around cause I have a full day. And now I'm just like, I, my body is shaking and my, I'm sure I had a fever. Mm. He went in the morning, call, we called the nurse, which is great. They have a nurse, a nurse service that you call because they don't want everybody at the emergency or everybody in urgent mm. care. So. They actually, you can actually call and speak to a nurse and they'll tell you what you should do. Mm. And so we went to the pharmacy and I got there. I got some allergy medicine. (laughs) I got a nose spray thing. I got some Advil and I just forged on and magically and miraculously that over the counter stuff worked. Oh, wow. And my sinus infection went away. I didn't need any antibiotics. Wow. And the next early morning, mm-hmm. I hopped on a plane and flew back to Dublin. As soon as I as soon as I landed, 
got in the cab, went to my guitarist's house, and I had only met him once. Like I saw him, I saw him perform. Mm -hmm. He never actually heard me sing. He listened to the music a couple of days up into, you know, just before we met. I went to his house the day of the show. We ran through the show. A few hours later, we did the show. <laughs> oh my God. And it's not like jazz, you know, like where everybody no. knows the songs you grew up to. You don't necessarily have to have played together to play together. So that's yes. amazing. Yeah. That's great. We did, we did the show and it was great. And in that particular venue, they do not allow you to talk or interrupt while the artist is on stage. I love it. Never is this unheard of. I mean, he will actually physically get up and go to people and tell them you need to get out. I, <laughs> I love this man. <laughs> so it is great. So this, 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 you have a very captive audience, more captive than you would have generally in LA at all this captive audience and they're listening to me and I'm not seeing one cover. It's all my original music that they've never heard of before. Oh. And by the end of it, people are crying and people are shaking my hand. They're thinking, they're thanking me. I got, you know, the whole venue is singing along to my songs. Oh my gosh. They're singing along. Like it was a dream come true. People, this man told me that he, could really feel what I, you know, feel the music or something, whatever he said. And I just, I thanked him, but I had to like run away because I was going to just cry because just the, the, the journey that it took just to mm. get to that day. Mm. And for my, my, my dream, which to some, like I said, could be so small, but just my dream to just at least sing one time, <laughs> you know? in another country and just to be so well received uh, and to be so well supported, you know, by the universe, by my, my family. And I honestly did not advertise that I was going to Dublin. And I didn't tell pretty much anybody what my plan was, you know? Mm -hmm. So I didn't have plan A, B, C, D, and E. I didn't have that. I just had the one, the one thing that I was there to do. Mm. Mm, that is, yeah. that's beautiful. I mean, that's, I am, I could cry right now just hearing that. That's so, it just shows such a, a belief in yourself, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's just life. It's just a singer having a very human experience, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, that is really amazing. That is everything. Um, thank you for sharing that, you know? Thank you for sharing yeah, that. Of course. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, um, you know, one last thing that I want to ask you is what is, because I think I'll, you know, there'll be singers of, of both stripes, you know, kind of listening to this. It's going to be new singers, you know, just getting started. And I think, you know, singers like me who've been at it for a while and, you know, we're always looking for fresh ideas, ways to keep mm. it, you know, interesting and inspiring. What is your, and these might be two separate questions, but what's your advice to all of us? So, okay. So maybe it is two questions. <laughs> <laughs> Cause yeah, we are at different stages, but. Yeah. Um, so to those new singers getting started. To those new singers that are getting started, 
want to say a few things. Of course, you know, there's the whole don't give up, mm -hmm. which is so true. I know that seems so simple, but it's really easy to give up, mm. especially in this industry. Because like I said, singing is what we feel like we're put here to do. So it's not just, you know, oh, I like to type things and stuff. This is like our passion that's also a part of us. It's a part of our actual physical body. Mm -hmm. And so when people, you will face rejection and people will tell you no, or people will tell you you're not this or you're not that. Just keep going. Mm -hmm. Just don't give up. Yeah. Also, whether you are five starting out or whether you're 55 starting out, don't be discouraged because I felt basically most of my life, I felt like I was always too old for the entertainment business. Even though I thought it was some kind of dynasty type thing, I just always thought like everybody else is so much younger than me all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, and like I said, when I started professionally singing with major artists, I was not like 18 years old. I wasn't like, you know, yeah. I wasn't, I was, I'll be honest with you. I was 26 mm -hmm. when I started mm -hmm. and everybody else was like 18, 19, mm -hmm. you know, 20. I had gone through college and had a four-year degree and was getting ready to start a certificate program. Like, and I was like, well, at this point, there is no purpose. There's no reason it will never actually happen, though I still didn't give up. But part of me was like, you're just playing a really silly game. Mm. But you know what? There was an artist and he passed away a couple of years ago. or I can't remember a couple of years ago or last year, but his name is Charles Bradley. Oh, yes. And I had the pleasure of getting a chance to meet him and review his show. Oh my God. One of my millions of cat lives. <sighs> I was a concert reviewer. Wow. Online music magazine. And I kind of stopped doing that because I didn't want to review. I didn't want a bad, didn't want to keep giving bad reviews to people that actually did deserve it because I figured I want to be an artist one day and I don't want that to happen to me. So mm. I want to fix that karma. <laughs> <laughs> but I was tasked with going to see Charles Bradley and he performed at the Echo in Echo Park. So it's a kind of smaller venue. Anyway, I didn't know who he was and I read some of the press on him and I was like, okay. And I saw that man and he was incredible. He had more energy than so many more, so many of these young artists out there. Mm. I mean, and he just had so much passion and he, I don't, I can't, I don't know what age he actually started or the age that he got his start, but I know it was over 50. Mm -hmm. So when I see people like him, you know, doing what they love, just doggedly, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm here to do. And they just kept at it. it people loved him. It wasn't like people were like, well, that's cute. He's just an old guy trying to do a little something cute. I mean, people really saw his passion and his talent mm -hmm. and it really resonated with people and i feel like music and your passion no matter your age mm -hmm. it is timeless mm -hmm. so if it doesn't if it doesn't resonate with this group it's going to resonate with some other group mm -hmm. so don't don't give up if, especially if you are getting started and i guess that's also for people that are that have still been in the industry yeah um there was that 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 movie um 
What's that movie? Eight, six feet from stardom? Oh, 20 feet from stardom? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe 20 feet. <laughs> Some of us are farther than others. <laughs> 20 feet. Let me extend the feet there. 20 feet from It's interesting because a lot of people, especially those that aren't background singers or those that aren't in the music industry, really thought it was such an interesting and inspiring movie. And in many ways it is. But then in other ways, it's kind of like it scared me straight. Mm. You know, there was the one background singer who she gave up. She got tired of, you know, she didn't think it was ever going to happen. So then she mm. went and she became a teacher and mm -hmm. she's teaching Spanish. And mm -hmm. she was talking about how she regrets that she did that. Mm. Not that she teaches kids and Spanish. She, she doesn't regret that, but she, she regretted that she completely shut off her dream mm. because of what else could have been. Mm. And you know, one of my other cat lives, I'm a substitute teacher. Mm. And sometimes I do substitute teach Spanish because I can speak some Spanish. And so I remember there was a downtime and I was subbing and I think I probably just subbed a Spanish class. And I saw that, that movie and I heard her say that and I was like, okay, let me just knock my head right back on. Oh, wow. Let me not give up because I, this is, though I, you know, I love, I love so many different things and I do love teaching, you know, and probably in another life, that's probably what I would have been doing, but that's not my passion. Like I said, I've been seeing since I was in the crib. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then once you, once you find out you can get paid for doing something that you just like to do anyway, well, I know, <laughs> you know why would you try to do other things? So anyway, that all I say to that is just don't give up. And there will be so many times when you feel like giving up and you might have a moment when you want to give up. And I will tell you that that is okay. And you are a human being, mm. but just get back on that horse, like feel your feelings, go through that process, breathe, do whatever you need to do. And then remember who you are. Remember why you're here. Get back on that horse and ride into the sunset. Who's going to happen at some point? I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. This was really beautiful. Thank you for sharing your story and, you know, everything that you have gone through is just really brave. And I've been really inspired just talking to you now, you know, I'm just so happy I got to talk to you. So thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for interviewing me. This was nice. You're welcome. So everyone, thank you so much for joining me. I really, really hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, just words of wisdom and so kind and um, just cool and compassionate and adventurous and just wonderful. Um, I admire her so much. So um, let's get into the quick singing lessons and then I'll give you all of Kitten's um, social media info. Okay, so the quick singing lessons. Um, number one, stay open to possibilities and remain curious. Look for what resonates with you even a little bit and explore it. Those seemingly little decisions lay the foundation for larger opportunities to come into your life. Number two, no matter your age, there is no expiration date on doing what you love. Keep finding opportunities to do it. Number three, keep saying yes to the things you really want to do. Number four, when you're a singer, it's not just a job you do. It's a part of you. 
Number five, passion and talent are timeless and will always find an audience to resonate with. So true. Number six, don't give up. Just keep going. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Be working on your craft. Be working at becoming better at what it is you want to do. And just try to be the best at what you do. And be better than you were yesterday. So those were the things that I took away from our conversation. Let me know what uh, what you thought, what you took away from it. Um, you can email me at jamila at jamilaford.com or you can um, find me on Instagram at jamilafordmusic.com and let me know what you think. Um, and I'm going to give you Kitten's social media. So you can go to actually her website, kittencaroy.com. That's K-I-T-T-E-N-K-U-R-O-I to... Uh, see where she might be playing next to see her fabulous pictures to hear her wonderful music she's so amazing and uh, her Instagram which is at Kitten Karoy um, and her we forgot to talk about her um, being a vegan chef and she has got like a really cool uh, Instagram devoted to that and it's called Chocolate Martha all the food on there just looks so delicious and gorgeous and beautiful, you know, and I think that's why she's beautiful. I, I'm, I'm a strong believer in beauty in, beauty out. So check out all of her social medias, connect with her, follow her. She's wonderful. She's inspiring. And also be sure to rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Um, give it a review. Um, it really does help other people to find the podcast. And, you know, I I think these stories are, you know, not only fun, but it's a great way for us singers to connect to each other because um, it can be kind of a, a solitary um, existence and sort of a singular experience. You know, everyone's well, really any any profession you're in is is a singular experience, but certainly this one, because it's really not mapped out for anybody. You know, we all kind of have to find our own way. We got to figure out how we're going to work. We got to just really figure it out um, on our own a lot of the time. So, you know, this has been a great way for me to connect with all of you. And again, I thank you all who've, who've reached out and, and, you know, shown your appreciation, expressed your appreciation for the podcast. So, you know, I look forward to connecting with you more. And that being said, find me on Instagram. I'm at Jamila Ford Music. That's J-A-M-I-L-A-F-O-R-D Music. You can find me on my website, jamilaford.com, and visit the Working Singer Podcast blog at theworkingsingerpodcast.com. So I love you, appreciate you, and I will talk to you next week.